Hey, I'm Els Bailey, and this is the Blues Podcast. Hi, this is Big Boy Bloater, and you are tuned in to the Blues Podcast. With me today, I've got someone who's making huge waves on the roots scene. Uh, I say roots, uh, you know, Americana, blues, all those kind of great, absolutely lovely things that we all love. Uh, a fantastic singer, a fantastic musician. I want to say a big hello to the one and only Els Bailey. Hi, Els. How are you Yay. doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm bearing up under the strain of everything, really, you know, so, <laughs> yeah just about managing to carry on which is good so Happy yeah place. good good <laughs> are, are you are you busy are you uh working hard at the moment or are you taking time out uh no it's it's been all guns ahead is that the right word all guns blazing, guns blazing? That's it. all think, guns yeah. blazing yeah. uh so anyway what we normally like to do on these on these blues podcast things is go is go right back to the start and uh find out how it kind of all uh it, it evolved for you so uh, let's go right back to the early days and, um, well, how did you get into singing in the first place? I mean, you know, it, was it, see, I always see these Hollywood movies and, you know, there's always some little kid and they're, they're, they're this fantastic singer and they're at the front of the church and they can't stop singing. And it's, was it like that for you or was it just not quite as glamorous as that? I mean, it, that, that was basically it. Uh, I was probably three and I was like, I want to sing. I think I, uh. I was in the nursery play and they gave me a song to sing and that was it you know I was hooked forever uh, I was really really actually into musicals and and quite into acting and and that kind of thing so all through school I did drama and and music and was just just really into the arts really so um, I think it was about eight years old where I looked at the Spice Girls I looked at Baby Spice and I thought, that's it. Like, I might be a little bit more ginger, so I should probably be aspiring to be Jerry. But no, I wanted to be Baby Spice. I wanted to be driven around in, in limos and go to massive yeah. fancy parties. And that's what I thought being a pop star was like. It's exactly like that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, Lots of limos, <laughs> hey? Of course it is. That's all, that's all I do all the time. Limos <laughs> and champagne, that's it. <laughs> I barely find time for the music, to be fair. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's a tough having the right songs with all the, the all the limo and the champagne and all that, and then, you know, the parties and it's so hard. It's so hard being a pop star, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, I'm. You know, that was my sort of. You know, that started me on the path. Uh, I'm very, very glad I'm not a pop star. I think the idea of celebrity sort of makes my skin crawl a little, little bit for their for their yes. sake. It's you know, it's it. I wouldn't like that. And I love the scene. You know, all all the scenes that I trespass in because it's all just very grassroots and people are lovely. Yeah. And you know, it's not about being famous it's just about the music and the community and 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 the people and you know the music yeah. <laughs> do you think in in some ways if you know if you did get to be you know hugely massively famous it would kind of spoil it for for a lot of people wouldn't it? possibly yourself as well i think so and especially now everyone is so accessible as well via social media and everything it's just yeah no no kind of um escaping it i don't think so that's not something that i'd sort of like to be but you know one day selling out stadiums obviously <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know i don't know about the stadium thing as well because for me doing a gig is 
almost literally that thing of having the people right there in front of me yeah. and feeding off their uh, energy. You know, and stadium, I think we've all done some fairly big festivals now, and you start to get an idea of of how disconnected from the audience you get very quickly. You know, I love I love the, intimate shows. Intimate yeah. shows are where it's. I mean, it's just it's just honest, isn't it? And when you get to the bigger shows, it's like I'm watching a lot of baked beans dancing around because it's just these like tiny. You know, you can't see people. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of your audience bald bald headed men. <laughs> They're wearing hats though. <laughs> oh, okay, right, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm with you now. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, for me, it's like, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm quite happy with the, the smaller venues and all that. I think it's, I almost feel sorry for some, you hear some of the big stars sometimes and the, you can see it in their eyes that they're so disconnected and they would give anything to go back and do like a small gig, but they just can't do it now because they're so, you know, so huge and so unaccessible that it's all been ruined for them. So what I quite like is when some of the big country stars that are super famous in America they actually yeah. come over to Europe and because they're not so famous they play much smaller venues and that must be I mean that must be amazing to sort of come and That's play the these best of both worlds isn't it yeah, yeah you get to you get to do you get to be kind of super famous in one country and then actually get to do the roots thing as well. yeah because the, the American country thing is so huge, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely massive. I've known a few people who were, uh, you know, DJs and in, into that sort of thing. And I never, up till quite recently, realised just how huge it is. I mean, you know, they're selling millions and millions of records a week kind of thing. It's, 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 it's obscene. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I guess outside of America, the country thing is, well, you know, we've got our roots thing going on and all that, but it's not... It's not at that superstar status level, is it? It's, uh, yeah. No, it's very different. And, uh, yeah, it must, I mean, it's just a whole other world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One I'm sure I'll never get to experience, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe, maybe one day. Um, let's, let's just go back a little bit. I'm, I'm quite interested to know how you made the jump from kind of wanting to be baby spice to kind of being like the queen of, roots and you know getting into the, all the blues and the country and and that sort of stuff because you know spice girls as popular and as successful as they were the, the music wasn't exactly <laughs> quality shall we say i, I, I don't want to be negative put them down or anything but you know it's not roots I, music is it <laughs> no no i mean I mean, when did that occur to you is that something you thought you know do you know what yeah i'm kind of this doesn't have a lot of mileage in it for me I'm going to find something better or was it was was it the root stuff always there for you? It wasn't really so you know I, I definitely have my dad to blame for my love of roots music and um he was a bass player in a rock oh. and roll band so I was oh. I was sort of introduced to uh rock and roll and blues and and country americana but it wasn't it wasn't that then it wasn't called that. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, from a really, really young age, um, he just didn't look like Baby Spice. So, <laughs> um, but and and to be honest, I grew up listening to the band and the Eagles and all the Chess Records blues and um, loads of great soul music as well. My mum's a gospel singer, so I was brought up in church as well. So I got that too, right. and uh, that was sort of my roots. And then obviously. I was born in the late 80s, so I was a 90s kid. I was surrounded by that pop music from, you know, when I was at school. Uh, and then I actually ended up in an indie band um, when I was about 15. And I did that until I was about 21, 22. 
that was with my brother uh and we did we did everything together um so i i felt like i could never do it without him you know he's he's my older yeah. brother look up to him he's a great guitarist uh and then he ended up taking over uh, the family business and i thought okay i'm not really loving this what we're doing right now and you're about to leave the band and i don't want to do it without you so i went to uni and i studied psychology okay <laughs> so, as you do yeah yeah and it was in my <laughs> third year that i was just messaging an, an old friend of mine who's um we'd sort of been introduced and we'd known each other for about five or six years and he just said oh why don't you why don't you come over and I was like, oh, I'm meant to be writing my dissertation. He's like, oh, just come on, let's, let's just, you know, play some music. And, and we did. And that's, his name is Brian Banks. Uh, and that's what started the Els Bailey project. But it took me, it took me a long time to find any sort of direction. And it was just about then that I just started go going back to my, the, the, the roots really that I'd been brought up with and, started you know revisiting the band and the last waltz and uh, yeah. you know and it just started me on this path it felt very organic and natural you know my voice has that sort of husky element to it so it felt like it was very much in my wheelhouse way more than you know pop or indie music yeah. had ever been so and it just felt very very natural and the more i listened to all these old records again the more my music started to reflect what i was listening to so <laughs> just talking about the, the husky voice and all that um how do you how does, how does it work for you these days i know you when you were really young you had like a, a bacterial uh, uh thing right and that you that's what you say could have con contri contributed i can't even say the word <laughs> Uh, to, to the voice, is, is your voice pretty sort of sturdy and rock hard these days? You know, pretty. I mean, the I have to be very, very careful with it because um, I think I'm starting. You know, my my basically my vocal cords were scarred from being um, on a ventilator. I was on a ventilator right, yeah. for 17 days, so uh, this was back when I was three so just before the nursery play um, <laughs> and uh, you know i went from having sort of a normal toddler's voice to this really 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 husky voice and so i've always had to just be careful with it uh if i'm touring you know i don't drink i don't have late nights but yeah. i mean the tours i've done are have been mental schedules so sometimes i'm like why do i do this to myself yeah 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 they never they never planned out really nicely, are they? That's just the that's just the way tours go. Eh? I always always remember a guy spoke to me because uh, you know when I sing, I'm, I've got quite a shouty. You know, started off as a sort of blues shouting type sort of thing, and it's just got more shouty from there on. Really, that's not really singing; it's more shouting than I do. But <laughs> I remember a, a guy coming up to me at a gig once and saying, you know, he, he just come up to me at the end of the gig and said, "I used to have a I used to have a friend who used to sing like you," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's nice." He's, yeah, he's, he can't talk now. And he just walked off. Uh, <laughs> what? Okay, thanks. Uh, you know, good to, good <laughs> like I don't know what That's to do with to that. Look to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just reminds me of that. And uh, yeah. Do you lose your voice often? No, no. Uh, and for me, it's if if I take a break, that's when it's the the problem is. If I find I find if I do the more nights 
together I do, the better, the, the better it is. It's, um, I guess it's a muscle and mm -hmm. most of the time I'm just sitting around not, not using it and it's not until I go and do some gigs to actually use it. So, you know, talking about the voice, but obviously as well, you, you know, you do play a bit of keys as well. When did that come in? So I started playing keys from a really young age. I was taught classical piano, uh, reading music. I mean, they attempted to teach me how to read music. Uh, I managed to fake it uh, for <laughs> for quite a few years. I managed to get to grade three without reading a note of music by literally just oh. listening to the teacher uh, and then sort of learning it by, by ear rather than by what I was seeing. And then when I moved schools to go to senior school, we moved teachers. And I think by then my mum had realised that I was really not actually that into the piano because I just, I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand like the whole reading music and I was playing music that d didn't inspire me. And, but I knew the school I was going to was, was really into sort of finding ways of really helping people, you know, find their path in the arts and my mum sat down with the new teacher and said you know she wants to be a songwriter she wants to be a performer teacher teacher how to play like elton john okay. and yeah. uh i mean i failed miserably i cannot play like elton john but he taught me how chords work and he he taught me you know every everything you need to know about you know writing songs and and as soon as i started those lessons i started writing music and i was 13 yeah. and you know no one will ever get to hear those songs but it started oh. something so <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i've just sort of i feel feel like you know elton john has just been such a huge inspiration to me and and the songs definitely the songs that i write on the piano you can you can definitely hear some elton yeah yeah a great influence definitely yeah do you remember do you remember what the first song you ever wrote was i do <laughs> do you want to hear the lyrics let us in on the scene uh, yes. just tell us the title and we'll go from there so i don't want to get too you know <laughs> um you've i don't know what it was called actually but it was like you've got to be what you want to be you've got to go where you want to go <laughs> Okay. It was, you know, it was all following your path and your dream and empowerment and that type of thing. I was 13, so. Well, it doesn't sound too bad for, <laughs> for 13. I think, I think the very first song I wrote was, uh, was something about Daleks, I think. Nice. Seek, seek, locate, exterminate or something. It was, it was, it was, uh, That's awesome. yeah, I, I, it was awful. Uh, not awesome. It was awful. And, uh, How old yeah, were you? I, I was probably uh, yeah twelve, eleven, twelve. Nice. I think I, I think I just I got a guitar. Um, again, you know, speaking to a lot of people, you've got a very similar story. Starting off the classical thing, and you think that's not really what I want to do. My parents got me a, a, a nylon string classical guitar, and it was you know got me some lessons, and it was like this is this isn't what I imagined. So, so pretty quickly, I worked out how to put a microphone into the, inside the guitar and plug it into my dad's hi-fi and like turn it right up and get some sort of distortion kind of going. And it was, uh, yeah, it was all something about, oh, I don't know. Oh, what a terrible nightmare. I've just uh, remembered all that. Oh, well, this is like therapy it's coming back. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, let's move on. Let's, let's talk some more about you, shall we? Um, I've got all Exterminate. Oh, exterminate. Oh. What a chorus! Oh, what a chorus! <laughs> when you when you are songwriting, is it is it the piano that you go to now for you know 
sit down and start writing or do you start with lyrics what's your sort of songwriting process it's, i don't really have one actually I'm, I'm currently in the process of uh doing a, a written in interview all about songwriting and it's so interesting all of these questions that yeah. i've been given and it's like I don't really like there's no pattern often it depends who I'm in the room with I, I write by myself uh, but I also really like to co-write uh, I gravitate towards writing um, with people who play guitar the music that I want to produce as an artist is is more guitar led than um, piano based although I, I do enjoy the piano I think it, it's, it adds a nice color to sort of my albums and stage show you know the, the stuff that i feel is is you know on the guitar so writing with someone in, in the room who's playing a, an amazing guitar like that is massively inspiring so if i'm doing that i think we get in the room and and i just sort of be like play something in drop d or <laughs> you know yeah. uh I, I, and we just sort of riff around that and that will be the basis of a song but uh i've got a, a song called girl who in the blues it's uh, from my first record wildfire and I'd just finished a European tour. Uh, it was 2016, April 2016. Came home, obviously, absolutely shattered. <laughs> and yeah. uh, popped on some Netflix, as you do. And I watched the uh, docu-film about Janis, Japl uh, Janis Joplin called Little Girl yeah. Blue. And by two-thirds in, I'd written a song, basically, just lyrics. I'd, I'd just felt so incredibly inspired by her utterly tragic story and the the sort of colors that had you know painted her life basically and it was um yeah i i, I looked at, at the paper and i thought my goodness i've written a song i put it on pause and went to the piano and and wrote girl away in the blues and that's probably the the i don't have many songs where i write the lyrics completely first right yeah but that that was one of them and um i never finished the documentary <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah. i never finished the documentary but there's this one little bit which kind of this was the start that in inspired the song she had a, a face printed on the the front page of the university newspaper and it said ugliest boy in school and i was just like my goodness you know the the cruelty of that yeah. i just absolutely broke my heart and kids are great eh? yeah <laughs> i know right oh my goodness and uh i've did like i just said i've just had a little boy and i'm just ter terrified of sending him out into the world because kids are cruel <laughs> yeah yeah they are but the, but the, the world's cruel but they're lovely as well it's, yeah uh, it's you know it's a it's a way of getting hardened to it all isn't it so by the time you get to you know middle age my age you can be miserable and grumpy and just you know <laughs> Shout at everybody. It's, it kind of works out and it all comes around. <laughs> it all works around in the end. I want to talk a little bit about uh, about Nashville. Because <laughs> I know you recorded your first couple of albums out in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, I guess, I mean, you know, it's it's the music music capital of the world almost, isn't it, Nashville? It's, it's you know, everybody and anybody is, 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 is there and, and doing stuff. When was it you first decided, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Nashville. And how did you make it happen? So it was a complete fluke, basically. Uh, my mum, no, my dad said to my mum, Lynn, do you fancy doing a trip around the southern states of America? My 
Mum is more hotel. My dad is more motel. Okay. Uh, she turned around and was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Who, who's going to look after the dogs? Is that Elves? Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you fancy doing a trip around the southern states of America? I was like, hell yeah. Mum can look after Roxy the dog and, and, and we'll go. So as far as I was aware, I was planning a trip uh, around. We we're going to fly into Atlanta, drive up to Nashville, go to Jackson, New Orleans. That's what I thought was happening. And then unknown to me, my dad literally just started calling people in America because the most incredible thing about Nashville is everyone publishes their phone number. You know, it's right, not like yeah. the music industry here in the UK, which is really closed doors. And I'd found that I'd had so many doors closed over here. And I, I was so close to to quitting before before I, I did wildfire. And then suddenly, uh, one of the guys that he'd spoken to checked out and saw that I'd done a cover of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. And he was just like, I love this. I absolutely love this. I want to get you over to record a version of this in Nashville. Because you know, obviously the Taylor Swift story is she started very much in the country scene and then that yeah, album was yeah. the pop, the pop record. And that was her sort of real move into sort of mainstream pop. And then I'd, you know, myself and, and my touring band at the time had turned it on its head and, you know, basically taking the song back to its roots uh, or, or more her roots. And yeah, and he just loved that. And then that sort of, he was like, I want to do a record with you. And I was like, hang on a second. I'm just doing a road trip. <laughs> like, what's going on? I, I, I'm, I'm not a country artist. <laughs> Why would I make a record in Nashville? And I basically canceled the trip twice. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. And then finally they were like, look, just come over. Yeah, yeah coming over anyway, come and meet us and on, my first meeting, um, we we sat down on Music Row. He introduced me to Bobby Woods, uh, who is just you know m musical royalty, uh, and he he worked with Neil Diamond and Dusty and Elvis and Johnny Cash, and he was he was part of the Memphis Boys and, and the the American Studios band, and he just was like, Els, I've I've set up a, a right with myself and roger cook uh, that's in two days time and we wrote a song called shackles of love which is a whole another story which was mental working with them as well and then that just turned into me recording five songs uh for for wildfire and they went so well that i was like okay i've got to finish what i've started here so um <laughs> That was wild. That's the story of wildfire, and it totally happened by accident. And with my dad pretending he was my manager and being like, "Els Bailey's coming into Nashville. Let's set up some meetings." So, yeah, ab absolute legend. And then, because I went over to Nashville, and I don't think there was a huge amount of people doing that at the time. You know, Joe Harmon had had just done it, but there, you know, not a huge amount of people. I feel it's become very, very. Um, common recently yeah. but i brought that story back and doors started opening here as well so it's just strange how things like that you know it took me to took me to leave to actually open some doors over here and yeah. sort of kick start my career again
Yeah, interesting you say about the, uh, you know, in Nashville, everybody sort of publishes their phone number. And it's, do you think that's something that we should do more in, in the UK and Europe? I don't know. I mean, having having done a radio show or, you know, promoted shows before, the amount of emails you get literally just from doing that. So I can understand why people yeah. don't. It's, you know, you're opening up a whole door of just, you know, a, a lot of stuff. It's obviously you really want to find great music, but it is good to have inroads in and people that you trust to be like, hey, this yeah. is a really, really great song or something like that, you know. Would you put your number out there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll tell you a story from years and years ago when I first kind of started. It must be nearly, I don't know. Three years long, ago. Long it's a long, long time. Yeah, more more than three years, definitely. <laughs> but back in the day when we used to have business cards and um, it was really, a, really, a, it was before internet, anything like that. It was way before that. And I had these business cards and uh, I remember halfway, th halfway through a, a gig, it was one of those gigs where you do it like an hour's set and then you come off and you have a break and then you go back on again. Oh, yeah. And this guy this guy came up to me. I think I was selling some CDs and this guy came up to me and said, uh, you know, have you got a business card? And I fished one out and gave it to him and he started talking to me. And he said to me, he said, do you, do you wear makeup on stage? just watch me for an hour i'm here no I don't, I don't wear any no i don't wear any makeup does anybody in the band wear makeup i'm like well you know lisa the sax player wears uh wears makeup he went which one which one's lisa the bass player no 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 the saxophone player oh okay and then he looked at my card a little bit and he looked back at me and he says and he says uh he says is this your address because my, my home address is on the business card and i'm like yeah he said oh i'll come around to see you it's like no don't <laughs> Done. and that's when i started taking my phone number and my and my address off the business car because i just thought oh this, this guy's going to turn up luckily it was miles and miles and miles away from where i live so um i think he probably <laughs> forgot it i think it's quite hard for artists starting out when you're you know trying to work your way up the you know never-ending ladder that is the music industry and and finding a a balance between having a business card the amount of people i i kind of never did i just had my website and i just always sent yeah. everyone there and but people in the industry then kind of found that weird when they were like well, i just want your email address and i was like you know this is this is all i've got so yeah. it's sort of like this funny balance maybe i should have had cards for industry <laughs> and then the please go sign up to my mailing list yeah it's it's hard to know what to do with it so yeah i want to talk a little bit more about nashville because obviously you recorded quite a lot there mm. now how did that work out were you using nashville musicians yeah so i used on wildfire i i used uh some some nashville musicians but i also used joe wilkins on i think about five or six tracks and then johnny henderson so joe wilkins i've been working with since 2014 he's sort of um you know without joe els bailey would sound very very different yeah. you know he's a, he's been such an integral uh part to to my sound and you know a lot of people know him and I together, if that, you know, mu musically. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've been playing with Johnny Henderson since 2016. And uh, he he put organ on, on Wildfire as well. So it was a mixture. Did it 
did it cause any problems like with the, with the with the UK band you know thinking well hang on a minute why aren't you know why aren't you using us good enough for touring what not good enough for recording now are you getting oh you know there's um <laughs> what a question yeah what a question. <laughs> we like the dirt here on but, the blues podcast. I, I mean I'm not <laughs> it um it wasn't easy at, at times and I think um there's you know it, it what I will say is I've just made a record. I was uh, meant to be going to Nashville. Joe and I were meant yeah. to go to Nashville in May 2020 because I'd done some recording over there in in September 2019. I thought, you know, I'm going to go back and, and finish what I started. Obviously, couldn't do that. And I was like, okay, you know, that door's closed, but I have now this incredible opportunity to to make a record with my touring band who are amazing like absolutely incredible and then what's been wonderful if even though the record's not out we we did this big tour back in back in uh october and november and it was so great playing music like playing the songs that we'd recorded with the same band on stage that yeah. that felt magical for me. And I've loved all my different uh, recording recordings in Nashville. I, I feel so incredibly privileged to ha have done what I've, you know, what I've done. Uh, it's, it's probably from quite an early part in my career. Uh, but to to make this, this album that we're, you know, we're just about to release with this band, with, the, you know, the guys that have been with me for so long, yeah. You know, in a time where music wasn't really happening, you know, yeah. it was a yeah. strange, silent days. So it, it felt incredibly special. And then going out and taking that on the road is just, I, I, you know, I feel like we are the best that we've been. But it's because they're playing songs and parts that they wrote, you know. Yeah, right. So that's that's what I will say. When the, uh, when the, the pandemic hit and, you know, gigging was cancelled for you know the foreseeable future you, you were quite you were quite good at taking up the, the online thing weren't you i mean did you, were you keen on doing that or was it just like i've got to do something so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go there well i i didn't even really think about it it was like i got home it was uh, it was my birthday it was the 17th of march and we'd been on tour so even though the uk hadn't officially locked down i'd called the tour on uh, the 15th of March and then obviously Boris called the tour <laughs> yep, <laughs> on the yep. 16th of March uh, so we'd already decided that we were just going to go home and isolate anyway we've you know been on the road for about five or six days that's like it just seems wise that we we now don't see anyone and then obviously lockdown happened on the 23rd but I felt very very firstly I was like well I'll see everyone in three months anyway like this will be over and we'll yeah, be back out be on the road again yeah. <laughs> well I just enjoy the sunshine have a glass of wine but I felt very conscious of the fact that I'd been on the road with uh, uh, my, my band and I could sit in front of the 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 screen and get tips and stuff like that and it's not it wasn't so easy for them and they're such a big part of it so yeah. what i did is i was like well i'm going to do this and all of the tips i'll give to them because they've just lost you know a, a huge part of their income right, yeah. overnight by my tour being postponed so that kind of spurred me on to to make sure that i you know got out there and was was you know going online and I felt really inspired by people who who did that you know it was 
I mean, it's just strange times and you kind of look back at it and it's like, what the heck? <laughs> but it was, it, it was very isolating and, and lonely for everybody. Yeah. And I was watching people develop relationships, like fans from Ireland meet sort of fans from the Netherlands who would have never have met right, yeah. if it hadn't been for the comment stream on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was just watching like artists connect with fans and then fans connect with each other and they crop up on different streams. And I was like, this is really beautiful. It's a really yeah. heartbreaking time. And there's so much sadness in the world, but actually there's this little bit of connection that is, it, that was driving me to continue to... One, the one good thing to come out of it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and the fact that actually, it's great that you're in France and I'm here in the UK and we can sit and have a chat. And of course, all of this technology was here yeah. before. I, I mean, since I've been working in Nashville, I've been using Zoom since, you know, 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But it's now, you know, it's, it's become the norm and it's been, it, it becomes okay for me to be sat in the living room with a mic and, and you over there <laughs> and we can do this and have a, just a lovely chat. I mean, gig, gig wise, how did you deal with like doing, you know, cause I, I did a few online Facebook things and all that, you know, acoustic shows and, and bits and pieces. And, you know, sitting in your own living room, banging out songs, you don't get that same adrenaline hit or anything, do you? You don't get, you haven't got the audience there to feed off. It's, um, you're just in your comfort zone in your own living room and it's just like normal, but you're trying to do this gig and make everything exciting. And how, do, how, do, how did you drive yourself to, to like get that enthusiasm to do it? So I think I kind of just was like, you know, this is me, it's warts and all. This is Els Bailey with no amazing musicians making me sound good. So I can only apo apologize for that basically. <laughs> no. a, very, a lot of self-deprecation during uh, the, the early lockdowns. Um, what I will say is in June, so just as sort of restrictions were lifting a little bit and we were allowed to get in a room together, I was invited to a studio that is called White Noise Studio and it had, it was just a rehearsal studios that had decided to turn into this sort of high tech streaming studios. And they said, Els, do you want to come down and do this? And I was like, that sounds great. And so I got Joe Wilkins and Matt Jones, uh, who's my drummer. And we'd never done that lineup before, but we could only get three in the room and be two meters, <laughs> yeah. you know, socially yeah. distant from each other. So I was like, okay, cool. I did that show and it was, it was amazing. First of all, I didn't have to engineer myself. I had these incredible cameras that, you know, were putting us in 4K, which maybe isn't yeah. a good thing, but it just, you know, to just walk in and actually not have to worry about the, the, the technical side of things and yeah. is this gonna work? That felt amazing. And then I went back the next day and I had to do like a festival live stream. And I got so many messages after being like, Els, are you okay? You seem really depressed today. And I was like, I am depressed. I've literally <laughs> just had like the holy grail of live streams and now I'm back in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just me again. And it, it, yeah. so that was when I started to lose a little bit of love with the whole, just me at the piano again. And 
I did, I got a lot better at the piano. You know, lockdown, basically the three lockdowns were, were great for me as a pianist. And then yeah. I had a baby and then I haven't played since. So now I'm terrible again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to relearn it all over again, uh, but it was it was you know it it challenged me uh, as as a pianist, and I really enjoyed re-envisaging my songs. You know, the amount of people that requested Medicine Man. So one day I was like, "You've requested this, guys. You know, <laughs> this is like slide yeah. guitar heavy." You don't know what I, you're asking. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, "Are you ready for this?" And I did it. It was hilarious. But it was like, do you know, it's quite nice to do the challenge and think, "Okay, I'm going to give this a go and show to everyone." You know, why I desperately need a guitarist yeah. to make me sound good. <laughs> but sometimes the, the challenging stuff is the interesting stuff, though, isn't it? And it's exactly. You know, you don't have to get it right. It's people just like to see that process you know and having a go and it's just like that they'll remember it and it's yeah it and they be. all know that they get the mistakes for free so yeah <laughs> there's no refunds all right <laughs> yeah i mean for, for me the uh i was i was in a similar situation to you i was doing right in the middle of a tour uh, in in march of um 2020 when it all kicked off in fact it was going to be my last tour for a while i was going to take a break and uh, my plan was I was moving to France and I've got a great big barn here. I was going to turn that into a beautiful studio with, uh, you know, cameras and everything for live streaming. And that's what I wanted to do, kind of do some <laughs> live streaming. And then suddenly the pandemic hit. No one could do any gigs and everybody is doing live streaming. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of ruined that a bit. Everyone's going to be sick of it by the time I actually get around to doing anything. So, yeah, it's... Did, uh, you, did you build build the studio? I'm, st I'm still building it now, nice. I think, <laughs> but I've, I've only been here a year, so, you know, so. I think there's a real place for for streaming still. Obviously, it doesn't have, you know, the, the kind of following that, you know, you would have had in, in the lockdowns when everyone was at home. Yeah. But for me, it really highlighted how sometimes uh, inaccessible music can be to so many people you know if you have disabilities you, you know there's not many venues yeah. that you can go to in, in places like bristol so suddenly or you know at a time now people are people are still very nervous about going out so i do think there is a a place for high quality streaming yeah um and i'm still making sure that content that i create like live content is filmed and and all of that because you know it yeah. is it is important and people like i think one of the reasons for me doing it was every time i announced a tour you know and it could be a big tour a little tour or anything you know uk wide i'd be trying to hit all the major towns as many as you can and the first comment you always got when you put up the the, the, the tour sheet was uh, someone saying oh you're not coming to the town where i live can't you come and play can't you come and play here and it's like you, you, you actually want me to come and play at your house, don't you? So I thought, right, I'm going to do that. Live streaming, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep all these people quiet, like, you know, say, why can't you come to my town? I'm here. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you must get that. I think everybody gets that. And, it, and it's often like, oh, you know, you're, you're playing Farnham, but you're not playing the town next to it. It's, it's like, it's three miles away. I mean, <laughs> how much do you want this? Come on, you've got to work a little bit for I'm meeting you halfway here. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, don't get me started on that one anyway. That's, that's, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole other story, isn't it? That's a whole other rant for another day. That is. <laughs> oh, I love it, but you know, it's great that people want to come and watch you live. You know, we say you yeah, say it joking, absolutely. Stuff, but you know what? 
how amazing is it that people are like, I come to my town, like I want to see you. I can't yeah. wait to see you live. Like that's exciting. Uh, again, something you were saying earlier about, um, you know, fans meeting online and all that sort of thing. I've seen it as well at gigs where people will travel. Some people travel so far, make so much effort, and they come along to as many gigs as they can on a tour. And you start to see them making friends with other fans in this this community getting together. And you think, wow, you know, these people have got to know each other because of me. And it's kind of really, you just think, if I've done nothing else, two people have, have made a friendship. And I think that's a fantastic thing. It's beautiful, that's, that makes it? people really proud. It's yeah. like, wow, it's an incredible thing. I had, I was trying to, there were quite a few people on this last tour that did about five or six shows all over. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Like someone in Glasgow and London, like they did the, the Glasgow, the London, the Southampton, well, yeah. that was the November before. We actually got, we got two dates in in October 2020. I was like, uh, I'll I, get as many as possible done. <laughs> because yeah. uh, I'm about to, I was pregnant at the time. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel in November 2021. <laughs> so let's do what we can. And we managed to. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I know you've got a new album coming out, but what else are you um, hoping to achieve in the next couple of years? Is it uh, some sort of world domination or just quietly sitting in the back of the limo, just waving to people quietly? Yeah, <laughs> I've been practicing my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm massively looking forward to the Joe Bonamassa cruise. So yeah. I was, I remember getting booked for that in September, 2019. Um, so due to go in, you know, August, 2020, and then obviously that couldn't happen. So they rebooked me. And then when I read the sort of terms and conditions of cruises, they're like, no babies under six months will be allowed yeah. on this. So I had to email them. Oh my goodness. And I was like, guys, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to pull out of the 2021 cruise because, um, you know, I'll have a five and a half month old baby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'll want to leave him, and you know, it would have been for five or six days, and so they asked me to write, a, you know, a statement of why I couldn't go on the cruise, and then it never got posted, and I was like, they're going to postpone, they're going to postpone, yeah. and then I got another message, they're like, Els, we're going to postpone till 2022. Would you like to do the 22? I was like, yes, please, and I know you don't want to postpone, but I'm desperately happy about this because now I get to do it. So, um fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> August 2022. Lining, eh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm going to I'm really looking forward to that and How's your sea legs? You think you'd be all right? Uh... I get really seasick. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. It's got worse. I've got older as well, but I'm just going to ignore it. And obviously it's been so long since I've been on a boat anyway. For, I think I'll relish the seasickness. Yeah. Or interview I, I me guess, afterwards. You know, I, I guess it's a bit more on a boat. It's kind of, it's probably got some sort of fancy sea technology to stop you. I don't know. I don't know yeah. quite how Hopefully. Work, yeah. I remember playing on a cruise once and it was just an absolute... It was only one show, but because it cruised around Norway or something, I think we were on the boat for three days, and it was just a, a blur of twenty-four hour bar, and I can't remember, I can't remember anything about it. Do you, did you see any of Norway? No, 
I barely saw any of the boat, to be honest. Uh, Those are the best stories, aren't they? Oh, they were the days, yeah. Like, I was going around the fjords in Norway and I literally saw the bar. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I guess I better wrap this up. And I always like to finish up these things with uh, with, uh, uh, this crazy question that I put to everybody. So I'm um, going to ask you this question. It's it's a bit of a strange one. So just bear with me for a second. I'll explain it to you. I want you to imagine, if you can, it's it's very far in the future, and uh, you've had a, a fantastic career. It's gone from strength to strength. You've achieved everything you you, you ever wanted to, and much more. And uh, life has been good, and, and the world at the same time as well has has become a very nice place. Everybody's kind of getting along, and things are great. We've worked out all our problems, and we think, yeah. It's, just great we've got everything just right now it's all perfect until they announce that a huge meteorite is going to hit the world and just demolish it just it's going to there's going to be nothing left completely wiping it out of the galaxy um so the, the world president gets on the phone there's a world president now sort of keeping everything everything happy and, and, and he or she or, or whoever um says to you right Els, i take it you've heard about uh the uh the meteorite and the, you know our impending doom uh we, what we thought was it would be great if the human race went out with this huge party the whole of the world is going to have one great big party and we're going to just you know celebrate what we've done and, and 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 go out together all smiling and happy and the reason they're calling you is they want you to come and do a gig for them and they want you to do a show they want you to put together a special band, a world-class band. Uh, you can pick anyone you like. Uh, so I want to know who's going to be in that world-finishing band and what song are you going to play? Oh, wow. Um, Mavis Staples is going to be in it. Bonnie Raitt's going to be in it. I mean, I, Joe Wilkins would definitely be in it. Uh, obviously, all of my band members, you know. Yep. But um, if possible... Uh, because the world's, you know, been put to right and people who may have passed away could possibly come and play this gig as well. Yeah, there's definitely like possible? holograms available. Is there? Okay, Joe yeah, Cocker so, yeah. as yeah. well. Okay, oh, Joe wow. Cocker's yeah. going to be there. <laughs> um, I, I really want John Prine to be there as well. Um, I'm not, I can't really... Oh, no, of course. I mean, John Prine and Bonnie Raitt, so... Um, I feel like the rhythm section is is lacking at the moment and my brain is not functioning. <laughs> oh, uh, Levon Helm on drums. Sorry. Oh, nice. Yeah. Can't believe I. <laughs> fantastic. Obviously, yeah. Levon on drums. Um, Leland Sklar on bass. Wow. Yeah. Um, Elton. Elton on piano. Yep. Steve yep. Winwood on Hammond organ. It's such a great band, isn't it? That is a great band. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> pretty much. I would like to see that band. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And what song? As the, as the meteorites coming into view, what what song are you gonna finish up on? We're gonna we're gonna do, we're gonna have a bit of Rocket Man, <laughs> <laughs> and then Space Captain. Yeah. So. <laughs> let's escape. Let's escape the. Uh, let's escape the. Uh, into space so um i think that's i mean i'd pick those songs because the meteorite is coming from space (laughs) yeah maybe 
you know, someone asked me what, you know, what I think, you know, my favourite song in the world. And that's a really, really hard question. It's, I'm not sorry. Yeah, it's I, impossible, I, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is impossible. And I'm one of those people that likes tapas because I, that way I can have, ev yeah. you know, everyone's plate, basically. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way about music. But I do think one of the greatest songs ever written is Angel from, uh, Angel from Montgomery by John Prine. Yeah. So, you know, if possible, it would be a medley, be Rocket Man, be Space Captain, and Angel from Montgomery. I'm not quite sure how this is working, yeah, but with yeah, all sure of those incredible, somehow, yeah. incredible musicians on on stage, um, and then just just for just for shits and giggles, keep on running <laughs> because that feels like it's like we could do this, guys. Run, <laughs> run. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's very, yeah, I like it very much. Els, uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's, uh, it's been fantastic having you on the Blues Podcast. Uh, I wish you lots of success. I know you're going to, when you get back out there and do it, I know you're going to knock them dead, as you always do. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and uh, enjoy it. And hopefully I'll catch you on the road sometime, somewhere. Amazing. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> And yeah, I hope to meet you in person. Or, you, you know, know, just come to your studio in France. It sounds fun. Yeah, yep, you're always welcome. Thank you for joining us on the Blues Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also make sure you leave us a review and a rating as this helps other people find the Blues Podcast. I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.